0: And we're live. Today, my guest is Johannes Aryan. He is a musician and a soldier. And uh, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Uh, thank you, Michael, for having me.
0: Yeah, so our paths crossed after a performance in Bushwick. And uh, you came up to me so warmly and... We spoke about music and the path to spirituality, your experience um, in the military, and how all of this can braid together to, you know, speak to the need for people to connect and release their their traumas in a safe space. So, would you share a bit about how uh, you came to the the path of music and and how that's been a tool for you yeah, sure. to help others.
1: Um, so it was close to about uh, 10 years ago. I was on my first appointment over in Iraq, Afghanistan. And uh, I was out there in the dunes and I heard uh, the Quran playing, the recitation of the Quran playing out there. And then I heard somebody playing some flute. And uh, it was really beautiful and I wanted to do that because it's just a, uh, took me away. I uh, got back, bought my first flute, um, after my first tour, and I just started self teaching music and walking uh, that kind of path of a music alignment um, on the side of, you know, doing social work and the healing path. So that's where I really picked up my first instrument about 10 years ago.
0: Wow. So were you uh, discovering instruments from the Middle East first?
1: Uh, Yeah, the uh, Arabian flute was one of my first flutes I started playing the transfers. Uh, Really just spoke to me. It has a very uh, disarming voice uh, to listen to when you hear it, you know?
0: Ah, wow. And uh, how have you Used music since you discovered this particular flute on your path. What are you doing with it now?
1: So uh, when I moved to New York about three years ago, I started doing uh, sound healing sessions uh, Mercaba sound um, And a few other uh, talented individuals Uh, We used to hold space ceremonies for six to eight hours Um, We used to uh, playing a lot with um, the uh, heart of people and uh, move through uh, emotional spaces uh, with these instruments. Uh, and then moving on through that, help people through you know, their traumas and the things that they went through just by creating a safe space.
0: Uh, what does that look like? And, and how does music play a role in helping them to, to disarm and and open up their armor?
1: So when people come in the door, um, one of my favorite um, medicines to use and uh, shamanic tools that um, I like to use, a call to me, was a RAPE. It's um, a shamanic snuff that's blown in the left and right nostril. It has mapacho and some tree ashes. So it allows you just to instantly ground and align. And I would offer that for people that wanted to try usually people would see other people do it and it's okay that looks great i'll do it too and uh, we start off with that just get everybody aligned leave your um, problems your weight just let it let it be it off your shoulders and then sitting down um for a few hours and just letting the music guide you through a journey um a peaceful restful journey for the next few hours
0: mm. Yeah, I remember the first time I worked with rapé, and uh, I'm quite sensitive to tobacco, and mm. I felt tremendous clarity, and then I swooned. Uh, it can be a, a purgative as well, depending on the yes. on the type. Are are they all like that, or
1: uh, no? There's different various types. There's uh, well over like um, three hundreds to thousands of different tribes. Depends on their mixture, how you make it, how much mapacho you have in it, cacao, uh, um, also cacchini bark. Uh, there's so many different ways to make it, and there's so many different ways to get a purgative effect out of it. Or uh, it basically goes down to the dosage, whatever dosage you're using, and whatever strain you're using from which tribe. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and so. The rapé is used at the beginning of a session.
1: Yes, I would use it at the beginning. Uh, it just allows your mind to um, relieve itself from the chatter, the monkey brain. Allows it to just uh, stay in a subconscious space um, and not have the worldly problems of what am I going to do after this? What is what is the ten minutes from now? What is the hour from now? What is last week? What is the breakdown of? this monkey that I'm trying to control while I'm trying to listen to this ceremony. So it just takes all that out of the equation.
0: Mm. Yes. And music as a, uh, a way of stimulating someone and also focusing them without yes. f- forcing it uh, is, is such a powerful way of of having an audience, you know, sharing an experience with this is also unique to each audience member. I, I'm not sure there's so many other shared experiences that have that power. So how do you use music after uh, after giving the rapé? Say that
1: one more time for me.
0: How are you using music as a healing device after uh, administering the RAPE?
1: So uh, we like to take people into a journey. Uh, I like to start off with uh, the birds. Um, I also do uh, bird sounds from nature. Um, I was in Tennessee for a while, so I learned uh, different calls of different animals. Um, so I incorporate the softness of nature uh, through organic sounding uh, you know instrument my mouth and then i bring the flute uh to smooth out the room uh woodwinds are very high frequency vibrations so when you're in the rot and you're already um, aligned if you will and it starts from the top like the heaven chakra and then goes down into the root so it's very grounding to hear nature and a high vibrational frequency of flutes and we accompany like maybe some hand pen uh, and a guitar just to fill in the space to get to lower note registers so you can feel it in you know, the, the bottom of your gut and uh, moves all the way up into the heart chakra and the mid spaces and the mid highs. Um, so we like to use the harmonics, the isotonic uh, anthogenic sound waves to uh, get a full spectrum of chakra alignment.
0: I see. And, and what are the range of responses you've, you've seen from people coming for this kind of experience?
1: Um, the, the most responses that I've gotten, um, especially after uh, knowing dosage and administering to so many people throughout the years, uh, I don't overdose, so purges are extremely rare. Unless it's a, that type of ceremony that somebody's expecting or wanting or we're hosting. Um, but the responses that we usually get are ear to ear grins, almost like trash out of cats. You um, just mm-hmm. see it radiate through a room. And uh, that's what we go for maybe three to four hours. I think the longest ceremony we did was a, a 10 hour wow. Um Yeah. Uh, we also had uh, a guidance medicine on um, one of the other eves, um, we're there um, but it's always uh, the same result of people just treasure, kept smiling year to year just uh, totally releasing uh, sometimes uh, we'll take breaks individually and go out and do energy work uh, go out and just uh, make sure you have a tangible touch and check in you know hey water hey how are you and you can definitely feel the energy of people who want to release, but have like a stagnation. Uh, you can go to those people and uh, say, hey, is there anything I do for you? And just that alone is more than enough for most people. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people just want to feel that comfortability of being heard and knowing to save space.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, the, uh, the difference between being a, a guide with music and um, the right kind of set and setting versus uh, teacher, you know, imparting information and appealing to the intellect. There are uh, two different ways that are so powerful to, to bring people back to themselves. Um, how do you work with someone who is going through resistance or uh, has a lot of skepticism about this kind of experience, but still shows up for it.
1: Uh, Most people that uh, usually come to my events, they don't know what to expect. They just know there's going to be music. Uh, And then they discover that there's a rapé. Uh, Most people that I love first timers, um, usually they'll They'll resist at first, say no, and I'm like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And then their friend or somebody else they know that does come to my events uh, tries, and they're like, wow, that doesn't look bad at all. Like, that, okay, let me try, let me try. So they open up just usually after the initial rock basis. And, and then after they see the music and after they just relax uh, and have the first, usually after the first hour, most everyone's already open to uh, what's happening. Uh, There's usually uh, not much resistance after about an hour to two hours in and if there's somebody working through something or wants to um, just have that openness to release, uh, that's when we go out also doing empath work and rec work uh, in my years, and my studying, um, it helps out a lot with trying to find out if anybody has triggers or if anybody needs uh, just a little bit of extra push or just, hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of intellectual feel, uh, a lot of spirit uh, searching and soul finding there.
0: I'm, I'm really fascinated at the, the confluence of your background as, as a military officer and a sound healer, also working with, these kinds of of plant medicines. Um, Have you had your colleagues in the military or or other officers like perhaps in law enforcement or even EMTs come in to to work with you?
1: Um, So I'm I'm also a specialist in the United States military uh, and on the enlisted side and I've had a few people um, in the military um, that actually was active with me try rapé, try to um, release by using sound. They always let me play a little harmonica and my flute anywhere I was, Um, so it helped a lot. Just having that, especially overseas or during training, it lightened the mood. Um, Outside of the military, I've met a few military veterans. Uh, throughout my years, especially here in the last three years in New York, um, that really enjoy um, a soldier's aspect of it. It's not just the lovey-dovey, oh, this could work, oh, I've been to your cane. No, it's, this is a soldier who's been to war. This is a soldier who I would stand beside. So it's another openness and a camaraderie that... I can have the opportunity to share, especially with another brother or officer in arms, um, just a a correlation of an experience. So instantly, uh, tangibly having that makes it a little bit more easier for them to open up and turn off Mm -hmm. or disengage from the uh, normal armor that they wear and the protectiveness from like the struggle with PTSD or any other traumas that they might experience
0: yeah i would imagine that having a uh, a guide that understands the soldier's psychology the the range uh-huh. of experiences that lie so far outside of a civilian's experience w- would be absolutely essential for that trust to be uh-huh. there um you know i i have no experience in in war or uh anything near that and I would imagine that someone who did may have a, a, a lot of trepidation in opening up that part of themselves that experienced that to release something like a uh, you know a Pandora's box of uh, right. of trauma could come out
1: um, it's just and that's when what I'm doing is such an amazing uh, duality that I live. Uh, I should say a healer's path and a warrior's path. Um, being able to understand both sides of the, the field. Um, like I was saying, I've been in my first four. It was in Afghanistan. I've been to Iraq, Kuwait and Bulgaria. I was then operation during freedom, 2010, 11 operation Iraqi freedom, 2011, 2012. And those were both two uh, war times that was over there. Um, but understanding that from a soldier's perspective and knowing that if you're walking into a safe space with a soldier, it kind of, it's like, okay, I'm interested in that. So we do get a lot of the people, and especially police officers that have experience through uh, military backgrounds or um, just being out in the field, coming in saying, hey, okay, I'll try this out. Because you know, at the end of the day, we have our guards, we have our traditions of how we're supposed to be in society as men, or how we handle things. It's really hard to let go. So it's uh, one of my um, beautiful things I was gifted in my life experience—to gift in a healing fashion with my music. Mm.
0: Ha- have the the soldiers and and. Officers and law enforcement who have worked with you, uh, at least more than once, uh, come back to say that their performance in their fields has improved. Or have have some of them said, "Hey, I'm you know I'm just too I'm too much on the front line to be this sensitive."
1: Um, usually, the result I get isn't um, uh, about the performance of later. It's more of what I did for them then. Uh, the average result that I get from people, especially soldiers, is, bro, wow, thanks. Um, usually, uh, heartfelt hugs. Uh, sometimes, people will cheer up, um, just to say, wow, it's just, nobody really gets this. Nobody gets me. And it's uh, it's such a dissonance, especially being soldier and coming back to a civilian's lifestyle. They don't change you for that. And it's really hard to have someone who can understand that and knows that almost alienation of trying to integrate into an average day life after you pretty much was given a book of what you can do and how you can act. And then you have to come back to the rules of what man says you can do and how you're supposed to actually act outside of your training. Uh, it's, it's a little, it's hard. It's like an alien world. Um, so for them and for me, uh it's a beautiful emotional experience when we can get people in there that understand that and open up that as you said before, Pandora's box, it's a good ideology there of emotion. Um and share that with someone.
0: Yeah, so over the years some of the the finest most serious healers and and guides on in, in the Eastern paths of yoga and uh, Chinese medicine are uh, elite former soldiers. Um, most of them were from the Israeli military, and uh, it seemed like their their struggle was if. You know, they had rose to a rank um, and a a level of performance that outshone many other people in their division, whether they're in um, a sniper or a commanding officer, they could be called back, you know, for a long time. And then as they were studying their healing arts, it created a rift in them where they felt like, you know, I can't pick up a rifle again. Because I've gone so deep into this uh, exploration of, of energetics and healing and spirituality, uh, so it seemed like that was their new front line.
1: I I have to agree with that. Yes, uh, it's um, as soon as uh, you feel this overwhelming qualm of. Uh, there is better without physically having to make it better. That's a revolutionary power. Understanding that words are the sharpest bullets that you could ever fire. And also understanding that you don't have to have physical armor when you have an open heart. Uh, It's a a revolutionary feeling. And it's a healing feeling especially, I also use the military for um, massage therapy school, bio-reiki um, training, um, and also physical therapy for people. Uh, I just wanted to give, and I had uh, made an ability to want to own that, you know? And music also helped with that, it was instant. I don't need a word to describe any of my feelings, I can just play for you. I can just open my heart, and you can hear me. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, another easy accessible tool that um, I just equipped in my arsenal. But I definitely used it, and there are some soldiers that have used it and that have come from um, that type of lifestyle and actually paramounted on it to get what they needed out of life for the nourishment. Um, And I have heard a lot of stories as you're speaking of the uh, Iranian, Iraqi soldiers, and there's a few other ones uh, throughout the Middle East and the Eastern side of the world as well. to have such
0: amazing um, access to this ability and this, this free gift, if you will, if you accept it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm curious, uh, your time in Afghanistan, um, I've heard that some of the, the, the factions that the U.S. military were, were confronting uh, have outlawed music and instruments. Um, Had you had any contact with them and how that absence of of arts and music may have affected the psychology of their people?
1: Um, I haven't had any um, contact with uh, these types of isolations. I have heard that there were some places where we're not allowed to play um, music. We all rigged our um military vehicles up with loud speakers so we can hear um, I mean you're not supposed to but we did anyway it's the desert, we want music music passes the time um, but we were told not to bring uh, certain music or loud speakers in certain areas um, and the effect on that uh, I, could, I couldn't even fathom uh, we, I mean I only experienced uh, silence for mainly a few hours maybe 8 hours max on any shift or anything I had to do. I couldn't imagine a day, a week without music. Um, it shuts down the creativity of the mind, the individuality. Um, I think it isolates, especially on a, uh, coming from a military police officer's perspective on psychology and mind. Um, it, I think it totally shuts down the prefrontal cortex of individuality and creating dopamine, tryptamine, very essential things that make people happy and allow people to be free. So I would, like to me that would be almost like a isolation chamber of slavery, um, not to have that freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's such a creative juice that's uh, helped me in my life.
0: Yeah, it, it seems like there's a, a, a partnership between removing individuality removing the ability to feel deeply and the capacity to commit atrocities Mm. you know like we're, we're only following orders and uh you know we're all wearing the same garb or we're all wearing these masks and i would imagine that if you have uh a culture, or an aspect of a culture, that has removed the artistic expressions, that the uh, the insensitivity that would be ingrained would would empower those those individuals to do things that were, uh, you know, unthinkable otherwise.
1: Right. I have to agree with that. Um, especially uh, the training over there some of their training is a little bit more intense uh, some of ours and some of our training are a little bit more intense compared to some of the other world's training for soldiers but it's definitely a uh, key parameter on isolation uh, protect yourself um, don't let anything get into your heart um, guard the heart and don't show weakness so these are the paramount uh, points that are taught to us during our training days, and luckily for us, we were allowed in America training to have access to this music, access to our downtime, which is paramount. Um, and like you're saying, I, I could I couldn't imagine having that type of training without any freedom or downtime, especially something as uh, extensive. As a training that we go through,
0: Mm. I'm I'm curious, Johannes. Do do you have any experience with uh, yoga?
1: Yoga, yes. I like to do one of my favorite uh, yogas is Dharma. Dharma yoga is one of my favorites. Um, It taught me a lot of strength, core, and short muscles. I had no idea I had so much strength in my body, until I did Dharma.
0: Uh, Dharma Mitra yes ah yeah yeah he's he's uh yoga royalty so what uh, what what i've loved i I'm, i've also had a passion for yoga since you know 96 i stumbled into it as a as a new artist in new york and just <laughs> coming from boston to new york within a few weeks i was having tmj s- s- show up and like stress symptoms i never had before and i figured well damn i gotta learn a way to constructively deal with this. So I, I managed to go in the phone book, which tells you how old I am, and that I, I looked up uh, Kriya Yoga, because I had just read Autobiography of a Yogi, and found that lineage represented a couple of blocks from my house. And anyway, the, the, the focus on energetic management within the yogic arts... Uh, I feel is is such a powerful tool for uh, people whose nervous systems have been shocked, and perhaps uh, voluntarily or not, kept in a state of kind of numbness because they have a job to do, and uh, the the energetic work to help someone understand when their nervous system is just constantly upregulated like you have way too much coffee too many red bulls too much adrenaline uh and are in kind of a, a perpetual burnout because of that or down regulated right. like when someone's depressed and it really has no no spark anymore i found that the the yogic technology and, and different forms of practices can be extremely helpful in, in helping someone refine their strength and find a level of, of sensitivity that is not weakness. Wow.
1: I definitely uh, agree with that. Um, That's interesting to hear um, another tool uh, in our souls that do actually help Um, besides uh, the traditional therapies that we have uh, what we're speaking on the day is uh, music um, and yoga like uh, I think more people if they had uh, openness and teachers um, like yourself uh, to to come in and say hey yoga is cool (laughs) I think a lot more people would be doing it
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and People like yourself who are uh, officers and are are men, you know that when when you're dealing with uh, a, a group of warriors, I think it's important to meet them on their level and let them feel you understand who they are and their language and their way of relating. Otherwise, I think if we come in from a, a whole nother level thinking that, oh, we're better or we're higher. It, it just breaks the ability to to share effectively. 100%. Yeah, sometimes I, I, uh, I feel like I upset yoga students when I tell them that I like to shoot guns and that I eat meat when I, my body feels like it needs that. And uh, my views on hunting, as far as like... Yeah the hunters i've known have been the most ecologically uh thorough caring uh compassionate impactful mm-hmm. people that i know um versus I'm also a
1: hunter myself
0: <laughs> yeah um so i think in this day and age for for people to listen and take the time to understand and connect before they share something they feel is important or, you know, this other person needs, first to connect.
1: Yes. Connection first, I think, is uh, uh, one of the paramounts And uh, most of all the things that we've been talking about here um, is uh, just that easy connection. Instead of uh, the highly valued opinion that we all love, or yeah. the high fact of this is the connection first. If you get the connection of a person, it doesn't matter if they're a soldier, it doesn't matter if they're a police officer, a nurse, a teacher, Um, if you have a connection, uh, then you can base everything that you talk about and do off of what you feel. And that's also one of the primal abilities that this day and age we're losing, we have these uh, technologies, it's so easy to disconnect. And you'd be sitting in the same room, having a conversation across the room with somebody that you want to talk to versus just walking up and having a physical connection of high um, and breaking it down, you know? It's just uh, this day and age, it would be great to, you know, get back in the old ways of things. Just, hey, how are you doing? Check up. Um, you look at most of the other uh, places in the world. Uh, how many several countries you're going know, to have gluten free problems uh, I can't name one uh, there's a lot of other things that, that are out there and help and are out there that happen um, but it goes down to the primal feeling of the physical contact of I, I care I listen
0: I'm here mm-hmm. so you've shared with me about some uh some environments, particularly the ones out west uh, in the desert, that uh, you you've connected with and want to to gather people around. They they sound like a place, uh, particularly deserts. You know, great beauty, but also of of ordeal and uh, great dynamics between the heat of the day and the and the cold of the night. Uh, can you share a little bit about? these areas out west
1: yes uh, so I was out west my uh, friend David uh, and we were out there in the Mojave Desert and the Mojave is a very magical place over near Boron and uh, we found uh, two acres of beautiful desert out there and um, coming from Tennessee background we love to uh, camp We love to be in the woods. We love to be nature. We love to fill the elements. So, uh, he, uh, we got together Boston land and they also miss, uh, mis the paperwork. Then they sent us a deed and the deed was actually changed 10 miles away from where we wanted, but they gave us 10 acres of, well, Mojave desert. Which was a blessing. We called, made sure everything was okay. And we go, well, we already have the deed, so it's yours. Um, so we're, uh, we went up the last year to check it out, and it's very rich in minerals, boron minerals, uh, things that you harvest for soaps and body washes and shampoos. Um, just the the desert in itself is such a amazing place to be in. Uh, the elements are so dry that you can see some scarcities in like the plants. Um, And also my friend David is very uh, talented in creating plants that grow in dirt, plants that grow in different environments due to nutrients and his body he's been studying. So the plan out there is to turn into an oasis, have an ashram so people can come out. And there's also a ranch that maybe 10, 15 miles away uh, on the other side of the Mojave, that uh, we're talking to to coordinate, that has horses, a horse range. Mm. and we're thinking about having people go out there to experience the desert style, like go out and sleep under the stars, that connective traveling journey, man and beast, um, just traveling into this ashram, uh, maybe for you know a few days to a week. That we offer, music, showing sessions. Um, but it's an amazing experience just to be outdoors. and Also, a lot of people as age, we kind of miss that for the luxuries that we love to have.
0: Yeah, and the, the exchange, just like a period of time, let's say, you know, someone could afford four days, and to stay off of their devices and have that withdrawal. I think we all go through it. The 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 space between our impulses and our reactions to compulsively check our our phones. Once that falls off and our senses can fully receive the beauty of the nature and all the information. Uh, I found from guiding people in these kinds of experiences that they never forget it and aren't quite as addicted to their technology as they were before. Mm. It does take some doing and some bravery to to unhitch, but I know uh, if you can do it once, you never forget it and it's far easier uh, going forward. And I, I think that Parents who know how to do this uh, are going to be better parents to show their children like the the boundaries around these incredible technologies that now these kids are just born into. Like they don't know a world without the internet and instant access.
1: It's very true. It's uh, technology is a beautiful thing, um, and so something that's helped us uh, progress with uh, our health, living longer. Um, There's so many amazing things about our technology, connectivity, being able to talk to somebody across the world with a press of a button. Uh, So definitely not saying technology's bad, but uh, that disconnect that we're speaking of, just for a moment, uh, instantly, for like you're saying, just for a few days, instantly make a magical moment that you will never forget, ever just from a simple I'm going to put my phone down and you actually have to process and feel it and live through that magic moment that you're creating Um, that's also a beautiful thing that technology has helped us with anything that is not instant fast um, we are forced to totally take it in um, outside of the realm of our phones or uh, what we want to know for knowledge we're forced to ask or use our language skills or motor skills or just breathe just take a second and breathe Um, but it's so easy now to make those beautiful moments um, just by a small disconnect and you're very right about that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah the uh, I'm so I'm curious what what kind of retreats what kind of clientele uh, are you looking to begin to bring out to the Mojave
1: So with these retreats and these clientels, where specifically I'm trying to focus on the corporate world, the corporate wellness world. We have such a big culture and our generations, um, the millennials, the um, ones before us, the ones that are coming after us, um, for our camaraderie or tribes, if you will, already have a, a nightlife, We already know what it's like to Fill where we should be um, and you look at corporate world, they, they want these experiences, they want these connections, but it's so almost intangible to find a tribe of their own that they can enjoy, their families can enjoy um, and have the option to enjoy that because whether we uh, look at it in different views or not, life is like uh, a bigger version of our high school. There are certain groups that we have access to. So true. And there's certain groups that we are never going to know. So I want to just break the barrier of the click and bring these beautiful souls that deserve to have her like a relaxation time uh, deserve to meet beautiful souls that are on a higher elevated level and just say, yes, Hey, this is for you too and your family. So I'm curating to the corporate wellness people, uh, mainly, and reach out and to intertwine with beautiful souls like yourself, uh, the tribes, people that you know, um, individuals that we will mutually share.
0: Yeah, the uh, I have a good friend who just sold a company that he started from scratch. And uh, now it's, you know, his his sales is 200 strong international multi multi multi-million dollar company. And, uh, you know, he, he's been a Yogi since its inception and he's carved out time for himself to go on retreats and, and unplug and get inspired again. Uh, In corporate, corporate culture, which I've really never been directly embedded in. I've always been uh, an entrepreneur outlier. Uh, How do you see basically selling the value of unplugging, going away, uh, humaning with your staff? Uh, What are the upsides of of that, particularly in an environment that is uh, formidable, like a desert?
1: Um, the beauty about having, uh, the opportunity and the benefits that we're offering, especially for a working force is taking them out of the constructs of every minute, every second is counted work. I'm on clock, taking them out of the automatic automaton robotic mindset that I have to be productive. I have to do this. It's getting your everyday workers to interact with each other to build more of a friendship family than a workmanship relationship. I'm here because I have to be, I'm getting paid for it, I have to put up with you because this is what we do, this is our workplace. Now it's, I enjoy going to work and seeing you because this is a friendship in our workplace. Uh, It is going to build the team cohesion. um, And also by doing these type of events and disconnection uh, will force you to um, verbalize. Will force you to let your guard down. You're not going to be in a state of "I have to work." It's more of a state of "I can relax," and that's something that usually you don't get a lot of the times with your coworkers. Um, so we offer that next step, and the productivity that you'll get out of your workers after retreat will be. Uh, magnified. You'll see the difference in your workspace. Um, Also, providing these to your workers, um, did some studies over in Japan, of just allowing workers to leave for close to an hour, have a mandatory nap for an hour. Just by doing that and leaving together to eat together creates close to 60% of stress in the prefrontal medulla. Just by having a, a relaxation, a moment, that work is not a part of. So if you do that on a mass level, send people to an isolation and a beautiful retreat in the desert, it um, does a lot for slowing you down. Also offering if you wanna have camaraderie or family with that as well, um, doing it together so everybody's making magic in the same workspace. And it's something you can bring back to your workspace and say, wow, so good to see you again, man. What about that trip? That's just something that's been missing in um, our day and age for work.
0: Yes, and, and the, the multifaceted experience of a retreat like this, where it can have music, time in nature, uh, new experiences like you know horseback riding through the desert, uh, time for meditation, time for celebration. I I think from experiencing it and, and seeing groups flourish through it, it allows the intuitive sparks to start to fly in organizations where they can have their discoveries, uh, understand what fuels their, uh, their great ideas. And, and be less territorial with the the advantages of, of being in the way of those energies. I, I've personally really gotten a lot out of being in, you know, different forms of communities. I kind of hesitate to say the word tribes, uh, where it's very diverse. There's a lot of excellence in a lot of different places and people are supportive they have their their healthy competition amongst themselves. And if someone needs support in learning something or uh, stepping up to to lead and they never have, they get that support. I would would love to see more groups uh, open to that experience. And at the same time, I think that clicks are inevitable. Uh, in in tribes where you have you know max number hundred and twenty, so the tribe can maintain its cohesiveness, uh, just like you know a a platoon is going to be what no more than forty.
1: Yeah, in a platoon you can. Uh, it depends on your platoon up to a brigade, so you have forty, and then it goes up to um, a few hundred for uh, multiple platoons. Three or more platoons, and you get into a, big, a brigade mm. of forty individual um, tribes or platoons, if you will. So you do have this subculture uh, um, and have uh, subparts to make a whole. But you also get together and bring the whole together to have the mass.
0: Yes, and it's it's a it's a natural thing for smaller groups to to bond within the larger groups i you know back yeah. to, back to your point about high school cuz i was i was uh never a joiner <laughs> you know like i i found guitar and then i lost all interest in social skills or you know prom or any of that shit right and um but i i remember you know i think everybody does the cliques in in high school you have the band people you have the jocks you have the popular kids the the dropouts and uh, I think it's just a natural form of human socializing that we're never going to do away with but when it gets oh for sure yeah when it gets so hardened that people can't come together as a larger entity I think that's where you know we as community leaders can offer experiences to help you know soften those edges
1: right bridge the gap a little
0: bit yeah yeah well we are uh, close to the end of our of our interview I really want to thank you for your time and all that you've shared uh, is there anything else you'd like to, to plug before we wrap
1: um, if anyone is interested in seeing some of the works that I have been doing you can check me out on com. It has all my forms any questions you need and uh, social medias. You can just access me there. That is com. And also thank you so much, Michael Hewitt, for your time today, opening up this beautiful podcast in this uh, connective way and keeping this flow going. Uh, I sure do
0: appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's an honor. And uh, your your perspective is so powerful and diverse and deep. I remember, uh, you know, this first exchange we had, I was like, wow, what a cat. Thank you, brother. All right. Well, enjoy your evening and uh, have a great rest of your day.
1: You as well, Michael.
0: You have a good one. All right. Bye.